we're continuing with our series on walking in the ways of Jesus, knowing Jesus, walking in his ways and sharing Jesus. That's what we've been looking at. And today we get to talk about silence and solitude. Yay. <laughs> you know, I, my mum was visiting yesterday and she said, what are you preaching on tomorrow, Mike? And I said, silence and solitude. And she went, oh, it's like not what you want your mum to do, is it? But she, I wonder if you have that reaction sometimes, if you heard the word silence and solitude. And my mum is a, a lovely Christian. She, she wants to talk about engaging with God and power and all that kind of stuff. And I think sometimes we think silence and solitude has got nothing to do with it. But actually, silence and solitude is the place of encounter and it's a place of transformation and it's the place where we do battle. So let's just be open to what God might want to challenge us about and invite us into uh, as we think about silence and solitude. I do want to give a little um, um, reference to John Mark Comer who is a, a preacher in America. He leads a church called Bridgetown. Um, a lot of what I am saying this morning is based on his thinking. They, if, you, if you want to know more about this, the ways of Jesus, we've, we've, we've thought about this quite a bit as we've looked at this series, as Josh has prepared this series. Um, and one of the churches that has informed us and helped us think through this is this church, Bridgetown. So if you want to go and have a look at it, I would recommend you, uh, you do, because they give a lot of resources that help us think through these things. So the passage that we looked, that Anne has just read to us, uh, a passage that is well known, and it's, it's, it's a passage that talks about Jesus um, engaging in the things of the kingdom of God. He heals someone. He reaches out. Are you willing to heal? Yes, I'm willing. And he heals. And it says that gradually the crowds began to start crowding around Jesus. They would, wouldn't they? You start to hear of miracles happening, of people being healed. Then that's going to start attracting a crowd. But what did Jesus do? He withdrew. It's that last sentence. He withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Throughout the Bible, we see Jesus withdrawing into a secret place, into a, it sometimes can be translated a secret place, into a quiet place. In fact, the more busy he became, the more he went to pray in the secret place. We're often the opposite of that, aren't we? The more busy we become, the less we find time to spend time in the quiet place with God. But for Jesus, the more busy he became, the more he spent time with God. Here are a few other verses in the Bible that talk about Jesus doing this. Mark, in, in Mark chapter 1, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Um, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him. You know, when he was told about his cousin, John the Baptist, having been beheaded by King Herod. When Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. That was the place he went to to process the pain that he was feeling from this happening. And then it says in Mark 6, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. And there's more and more, there's quite a lot more verses that just uh, reveal this way of Jesus of pursuing the quiet place as he got busy and as the crowds pressed in on him. Why? Why did he do this, do you think? 
Why did he make that a priority in his life? And then, of course, we ask the question, if it's a, it's a priority for Jesus, why might it be a priority for you and me in our walk with Jesus? Well, I would suggest that for Jesus, there was something about him staying in tune with his father, being recalibrated, if you like, to the things of the father, to the things of the kingdom, in order to help him navigate all the stuff that was happening around him. He needed to recalibrate, to synchronize with the Father. I remember once when I was um, in America, when I was 17, I went out there to work, and um, they put me on a building site, and um, I had to do measuring of the levels of the... Uh, this, this, <laughs> I really don't know how, why they put me on a building site. I, I know so little about this, and this will be revealed as I try and explain what I was doing. But um, they put me on a building site, and you had... You, you have to take benchmarks. You have to, there's, a, there's like a, a, a ruler that's stuck in the ground at the side of the uh, building site. And then you have this viewing device that allows you to look at the ruler and you see where the ruler is and how much the land has moved. You know, so each time, each day you take a measurement, the, root, the, the land might have settled a bit more. And basically, for you to know how much the land has moved, you have to take a benchmark right at the beginning. You know, so it's relative to the, the original measurement. And um, I think there's a sense of that in what Jesus is doing. There is a sense of, I'm coming back to the benchmark. I'm coming that, back to that which helps me understand everything else that is going on. In the busyness, I'm coming back to that. The quiet place for Jesus was going back to his benchmark. If you like, another favorite thing I like to think of is it's like tuning in to the soundtrack of heaven. What is the soundtrack that you listen to that enables you to see and understand what's going on? And Jesus was tuning back in to the soundtrack. So much has changed in our age today, in the digital age in which we live in. And we, are, we live in an age that, is, that has got more distraction, more things to take us away, more things to keep us busy than ever before. We have tweets that pop up on our phones. We have messages that pop on our phones. I mean, it may be hard for some people in this room to believe, but there was a time before phones. There was a time when you were able to drive out your house and go to work and not have a phone there. Now, I find myself, if I forget my phone going to work, I have to turn around and go back and pick it up. How did I manage to live most of my life without a phone? Microsoft did some research and their research found that 70%, 77% of people surveyed said that when nothing is occupying their attention, the first thing they do is reach for their phone. Now, I don't know the size of the survey, I don't know, but, but it revealed this thing that happens in us. And if you're honest with yourself, you will know how much your phone is a part of your life now. And how hard it is sometimes to just not take note of that little buzz that happens. You know, you hear it vibrate, oh, and it takes your attention straight away. It's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy to be distracted. And what happens is it robs us of our ability to be in the present. We're not present to the people in front of us, to our family, to our own soul. We're not present to what's going on inside of us. And above all, we're not present to God. We're present in body, but our minds are far away. 
And what happens is we don't find ourselves in that place where we're able to reflect and examine what's really going on. All these experiences that it's possible for us to have in this digital age, we just bounce from one to the next. And there's no place where we're able to stop and pause and reflect. And what's actually happening to me? What is God maybe wanting to say in the midst of this? This, I think, is why Jesus withdrew to the quiet place. He didn't have a phone, but he lived in a time that was very busy and there was distraction. Jesus, Jesus, if anyone had an argument to say, I've got three years to do this, I must just keep preaching, I must just keep meeting with people, I must just keep healing people. But what did he do? When the crowds drew around him, he withdrew to the quiet place to recalibrate, to get his benchmark, to listen to the soundtrack of heaven again so that he was then able to flow out from that place and carry on doing the ministry. Andrew Sullivan, um, who, is a, who wrote um, an article called I Used to Be a Human Being, he quotes a philosopher called Charles Taylor. And Charles Taylor says this, the reason we live in a culture increasingly without faith is not because science has somehow disproved the unprovable, but because the white noise of secularism has removed the very stillness in which it might endure or be reborn. If churches came to realize that the greatest threat to faith today is not hedonism, but distraction, perhaps they might begin to appeal anew to a frazzled digital generation. The place of encounter with God is often the quiet place. And we have to learn to work to build that place in our lives. It mattered to Jesus, and it matters to you and me and our walk with him. So what do we mean by the quiet place? Well, again, I'm drawing on John Mark Comer on this, but I agree with him. The quiet place is any place that is free from stimuli. Just you, your soul, and God. Jesus did it in order to pray. He went to the quiet place in order to pray. It wasn't this passive thing of just sitting there quiet, like Zen-like, like a Buddhist. It was an active place of encounter with God, of praying. It's not just a day off, I'm going to have my quiet day, I'm going to go off and I'm just going to relax and get some me time. All, as important as that is for us, but that's not what's meant by the quiet place. It's a place of encounter Relaxing into God's goodness, John Mark Comer says, and paying attention to the deepest things in our souls. Do you have the place where you can relax into God's goodness and attend to the deepest things in your soul? And it's not just about the external environment. We create this external environment that helps us to do this, but it, then what it does is it creates an internal quiet place within each of us. It's about the internal quiet, uh, quiet space within our souls, it's so hard, isn't it? Our brains are so busy. I bet even as I've been talking, how much of, of it have you actually listened to? If you're like me, you kind of listen to about 60% of stuff and your brain goes off on different directions, doesn't it? Have you seen the film Up with the dog that goes along and uh, every, now, every time it sees a squirrel, it's totally distracted. It's like, squirrel! Our brains are like this, aren't they? We're distracted. I listen to um, a, an app on the way to work. I'm trying at the moment to frame my day with Jesus to find that quiet place. And I listened to this app on the way to work called Lectio 365. I probably get to hear about 50% of it because I'm like, oh, did I give the dinner money to Beth? Oh, 
I need to focus on this. Uh, you know, it, wow, it was great. The game yesterday, England beating Scotland. <laughs> Had to get that in, sorry. Uh, but do you know what I mean? Our brains, we're off, aren't we? We're off into all these. And I'm, me saying that has probably got some of you going, oh, yeah, that was a good game. And now you're off. Your brains are off. And it's so hard to, to foster that quiet place within us, that place where we're focused. And it takes time. It takes time. The aim is to develop practices so that the external quiet leads to an internal quiet. Because this, and this is the key thing, it's a key place of encounter with the Father. That's a key place where he wants to meet with us. It's not that we can't encounter God in other circumstances. We can encounter God when there is noise, when there's worship, and all other places. But in our age of digital distraction, maybe we need to learn to rediscover the quiet place. Because distraction stops us being able to reflect on what is going on and stops us being able to hear the voice of God speak into what is going on in our lives. So number one, the, what the quiet place does, it enables us to, to contend with the noise, to do battle with that which, that which would seek to distract us from our walk with God. It enables us to contend against evil. It's great talking, on a, talking about silence and solitude and having noisy rain all the time. Richard Foster, some of you will have come across his book, The Celebration of Discipline. It's a great book. He said, our adversary, the devil, majors in three things. Noise, hurry, and crowds. It is a tactic of the enemy to distract us from that which would enable us to encounter the Father. The Father longs for us to pause and stop and have a quiet place because he is wanting to speak into our lives. The opposite of noise, hurry, and crowds is quiet, stillness, solitude, and these are places of encounter. Again, some research that was done. On a socio-political level, research has shown that people who don't have a level of quiet in their lives are much more easy to manipulate. They're more reactive than active, and they're more busy than wise. It's easier for advertisers to get you to buy their products or to choose their candidates. Busy lives, we haven't got that place of reflection where we're able to just pause and stop and think what's going on. How many of us have had the experience of social media with its barrage of opinions and emotion and have found that it creates a sense of disorder and unease within us? And then we turn on the TV and we have more input. And all around us, we fill our lives with noise and distraction, visual, audio. All the time, we fill our lives with it. It creates this noise in our lives that becomes the overriding soundtrack. And Jesus says into this, follow me to the quiet place. It's not a passive environment. This is the place of encounter and transformation. When Jesus went out into the desert, remember, he was a place of solitude, a place of silence. He was on his own, but he did battle with the devil. And he came out of that place full of power and authority. It's a place of battle, the quiet place. It's a place of encounter with God. 
This is another quote that I really like. To live a life of quiet is to live a life of rebellion against the constant noise. To live a life of quiet is to live a life of rebellion against the constant noise. Number two, it's the place where we deal with the reality of who we are. The quiet place is the place where we deal with the reality of who we are. It's in the quiet place that the truth comes out. Our pain, our doubt, our resentment, our joy, our hope. It's the place where we pay attention to what is really going on in our souls. In our crammed, busy lives, so often we never pause to reflect or to examine what is really going on. That quote again, when Jesus heard what had happened to John the Baptist, what did he do? In the pain of that place, of family being murdered, he went to the place of quiet with the Father. Because he knew that he needed to stop and pause and reflect. And hear the words of the Father speak into that situation. The quiet place is the place of dealing with our stuff. We don't like to do that. And sometimes the distraction, we've got so many things in our lives that can distract us from dealing with who we actually are and what is really going on inside of us. The problem is that it will come out, whether we deal with it with God in the quiet place or whether it just starts leaking out in our lives. And it's a lot more messy when it leaks out in our lives, the stuff that God would love to deal with and would love to work out. It's much better to deal with this stuff in the place of the Father's love. And because of this, the the quiet place is also the place where we're reminded of his love for us. The reality that though we are broken, and we're all broken, we all have messed up stuff inside of us that needs dealing with. He has unlimited love for us. And in that quiet place, although it may be painful, he will come and meet us and work out transformation in our lives. Although we have doubts, although we may have anger, although we may have uncertainty or pain, we find in that place where we stop and we allow the Father to speak that we are also loved and that we are his children. And it's a place of tuning in again to the song that he sings over his children. So finally, how do we develop the rhythms of quiet in our lives? Here's a few ideas that I think have thought of, but what I'd love you to do is just be asking the Father now, asking the Holy Spirit, what are the steps I can take to introduce quiet this place of quiet into my life. It's an active thing. It won't just happen. Our lives are too full. Our lives are too busy. There's too much around us to distract us. We will have to stop and choose to do something. If it was good enough for Jesus, if it was what he did, it's it's what we are called to do as followers of him as well, because it will bring life and it will bring encounter. So first of all, this might just apply to me. Some of them might be helpful. Some of them are not. Remove your headphones. Go for a run without a podcast. Go for a run without music. Go for a walk without music in your ears. Turn the radio off when you're driving. Spend just time in quiet. Drive without noise. One really bit of good advice that I found, someone gave to me once, is when you have a meeting, those of us who have meetings in your day, when you have a meeting, Add an extra 10, 15 minutes on to the time that you're going to meet with that person. So it's still in your calendar, 
the person goes that you've met with or the people go that you've met with and then you have 10 minutes of time where you sit and you reflect on what's been said. Otherwise, my experience is that you have, you have a meeting with people, you, you maybe talk about some really important stuff, but then you bounce onto the next thing and before you know it, you've not reflected on anything. You've not invited God into that place. Sit without noise. That can be quite scary sometimes. You know, I, I went on a... Um, I went on a, um, a conference. I went to the launch conference over at Manchester Ivy Church, if some of you may know Ivy Church, and I went on my own. It was part of... Um, um, I, every, every year I get given some money by the diocese to go and do some retreat. So I went on this conference. Friday night, I was, I'd, I'd, finished, um, I'd, I'd finished here, and I was driving across Snake Pass to Manchester, to, to Wigan, to um, this conference. And everything within me wanted to turn around. You know, Friday night, you want to go home, don't you? You want to just kick back, put your feet up, watch a bit of telly, relax. It's the end of the week. Everything within me. I don't like being on my own. Especially, I want to be with my family. I want to go and spend time with them. And I'm driving across in the dark to this place where I don't know anyone who's on the conference. I'm going to stay in a hotel on my own. I really don't want to do that. But do you know what I realized? I realized that people have become a distraction. Now, don't get me wrong. Being with people is good. But sometimes I use the excuse of being with people as an excuse not to engage with God. And being in a place of slight uncomfortableness, if that's a word, with, um, with myself and what I would naturally do, being on my own meant that I was forced to engage with God and spend time with him. And it was a really good time. Of course, I met some people at the conference and I had coffee with them. But just that place of being on my own, sometimes putting yourself out of, the, out of your comfort zone, whatever that might be. For, for people who like being on their own all the time, it might be spending time with people sometimes. But for me, um, just putting myself in that place was really, really helpful. Resist the temptation to pull out your phone at every opportunity, those of us who have phones. You know, sitting in the dentist's waiting room, you sit there and you see everyone round. They're on the phones, aren't they? Maybe God is inviting us to go, stop. Remember I'm here in this room. Remember I might want to talk to you, even in the dentist's waiting room or wherever you are. Maybe he wants me to pray for that person who's sitting opposite me. And invite God's presence into this place, to bless this place, so that everyone walks. Maybe that's what he wants us to do, rather than instantly going to my phone and looking at my news feed or whatever it is. Now, in all of these things, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's, if it's the first thing we do, and if it's the thing that distracts us from just asking God, what do you want to say into this situation? Then that is part, I think, of the enemy's ploy to take us away from the things that God wants to do in our lives and to reveal through us in our lives. Okay, those are just some ideas, but just encourage you to ask God, what are the steps I could take to be active in creating this space? I'm just going to finish quite an appropriate reading, I guess, for today, which is that reading um, from Kings, which is about Elijah. Um, Elijah feels left on his own. Everyone else has deserted the Lord. And the word of the Lord, it says, came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. 
I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after, fire, after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. May we be people who in our lives create those spaces where we hear the gentle whisper of the Father speaking into our lives, engaging with us, wanting to bring a place of encounter and wanting to bring a place of transformation. Amen.